Well, I'd like to welcome Joe Freeman to this podcast. Um, uh, we were talking about Psalm 18, which talks about, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. And he says, uh, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And so aren't we thankful, Joe, that God uh, delivered you and that um, that deliverance especially took place, what, about uh, 2010? We were talking about your breakthrough back at that point. Yeah, and, and you know, John, you talk about Psalm 18. And again, it's no um, coincidence, but that's one of my favorites. And, and I got that in the Colony of Mercy where I went in April 29, 2010, um, battling 38 years of drug addiction and alcoholism and had been in and out of every secular rehab there was and finally had reached a place of brokenness in December of 2009 and wanted to end my life and called a friend of mine who I used to shoot heroin with and he was living a free life because of Jesus Christ and he had gone to the Colony of Mercy. You know, and I was up in the Colony of Mercy, and Psalm 18 was this big one that was going through the colony at the time about the Lord being our rock, you know, our fortress. And, um, you know, one of the things I remember was verse 16 where it says, you know, he sent He sent from on high, he took me, drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, which was drugs and alcohol for me. It was Satan. And from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. And, that's really what it was happening, John. I was going to secular rehabs, and they just weren't dealing with what the real issue was. And so, fortunately, I got into the Colony of Mercy in 2010. Um, I had a great chaplain in Rick Bricky, who was, at that time, really on the beginnings for him of discovery of the Exchange Life and Exchange Life Counseling, America's Keswick, which is the... Um, kind of the parent company that the Colony of Mercy comes under. They're also a Christian conference center. They do a lot of things, um, you know, for the community, for people to come and, and kind of get some rest. And, um, you know, they've, they have, um, have been a part of what they would call the Keswick Movement, the Exchange Life, the Victorious Christian Life Forever. Um, and then there were some things that were going on um from the counseling standpoint down at the colonies, there were some changes of philosophy and there was at time some nutetic counseling. And Rick Bricky started bringing back into it the exchange life counseling. He had been aware of Dr. Solomon's book, The Handbook to Happiness, but um, Steve McVeigh's Grace Walk was his intro into that. And he had a thirst for the exchange life. Um, he was my chaplain and um, there were like six or seven chaplains, so that was kind of a fortuitous bounce for me. Um, I, I discovered a verse um, as I was reading through the Bible, which was Galatians 2.20, and um, had read that I had been crucified with Christ, and that it was no longer me who was living, but Christ was living in me. I didn't, I didn't understand what that meant. I went to Rick and talked about it, and a whole new life began for me um, to recognize that what I needed was to, first of all, accept my acceptance that Jesus Christ was living in me and through me and as me, and and I, I had to get out of the way, and that was, <laughs> that was the challenge. I had to get Joe Freeman out of the way, and Joe Freeman had grown up at this point. I was 56 years old, and of course, everything I was doing was my way, and I... Um, find out later was walking in the flesh uh, consistently. I had been saved in 1976 in Campus Crusade for Christ at Trenton State College. Um, I was clearly saved. I was blown away by what this brother um, shared with me. and uh, But I didn't, you know, hook up with a Bible-believing, Christ-centered church. And um, I had a lot of pain that was still in my life. And I hadn't I hadn't gotten to the point of where I needed to take care of that and didn't realize it was driving me into the arms of, uh, you know, women and, and sex outside of marriage and alcohol. And then the drug train started in about 1982 with cocaine and began to not just snort cocaine, but I always wanted to do something more. The pain seemed to just get um, deeper and louder and 
you know, to drown out those voices, I needed to do more, more drugs, more alcohol, and and so that was that. That was me walking in the flesh, and I didn't understand the battle between the spirit and the flesh. I didn't understand why, if I knew Jesus Christ, my life wasn't perfect. I didn't know anything because I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't going to a church. I wasn't being taught. And so in 1986, I uh, remember looking in a mirror, John, um, and saying, you know, you can't drink anymore. I knew drinking was uh, not the answer for me. You know, at the age of 15, I thought I found the answer to my problems. I had grown up with a father who was um, vicious. Um, He was abusive physically and uh, emotionally. He was you know, he just didn't like me, and and that hole that was in my soul was really deep. And of course, you know, I began to fill it. And at the age of fifteen, you know, my um, you know, my solution was people pleasing and whiskey. I started drinking whiskey at the age of fifteen and um, trying to fill that hole. And that's that's what I continued to do, John. And and then there was just you know all the disasters that take place when you're doing that. In '86, I acknowledged that I couldn't do it. I'd started to go to some AA meetings. Um, I understood a little bit about what they were teaching there, but it wasn't working for me. I continued to drink on a daily basis. In 1989, I got hurt and I took pain pills for the first time, and man, I was really off to the races. Um, and those pain pills then just continued opioids. Opioids, when we speak of opioids, we're talking about painkillers. We're talking about heroin and fentanyl at this point. And uh, for me, I was into the pain pills. And there's a there's a problem with those things is that you always need much more. Um, and then there's the problem of withdrawal and to avoid withdrawal, which is an extremely painful process to go through. And that's what keeps us out there longer. Um, is because we're trying not to be sick from the withdrawal. So I was soul sick. You know, I was really soul sick and did not know how to address that and had not even looked at it. But then with the um, opioids, I began to be body sick. Um, if we understand, as I do now, man is three parts of body, spirit, and soul. You know, my body really took a beating on that. And so I became a slave um, to the drugs and to the alcohol. Um, it was writing my ticket for me to feel well. And, um, you know, I got married and uh, was unfaithful to my wife and I was irresponsible in, in raising my children. These are, you know, serious things. I, I still work through those at times now, you know, with the, with some of the guilt with my children in particular. And But, you know, I, I was getting arrested on the DUIs and arrested now with possession of narcotics and then distribution and everything just started spinning out of control and all the all the nevers happened and and in this abridged version I ended up in a one room crack hotel in my hometown and with a thousand dollar a day habit. And I was doing everything that you have to do to support that habit. I was stealing doctor's pads and writing scripts and calling scripts in and you know, it was something that I, I got involved in just to keep my habit going and uh and that's when I said in the beginning of this conversation that you know john i i I remember uh, at times loading a needle up with heroin, having it in my arm ready to go, and in my right hand, I had a Bible, and it was a Bible I had got in two thousand two and I lived in a halfway house in York, and I was attending a uh, a local church and became friends with the pastor and it was an old k j v um, Schofield study Bible, and I still have it. It's completely wrinkled and beat up from that would be in my right hand, and I'd have that needle stuck in my left arm, and I would be just crying out to the Lord, and I would say, "Why are you going to let me do this? Why is this Why is this happening to me?" And of course, I would end up hitting that plunger, and it would just start all over again. And I had people that told me you couldn't have possibly been saved if you were doing that, and I know I was saved, and I know I was. Um, as you and I have talked about, and I like the phrase you've given it, I was in that carnal condition. And I was in a deep carnal condition. So that was my lead up. I called my friend. Uh, he introduced me to the Colony of Mercy. I made the phone call on April 29th of 2010. I got in there. 
Um, Rick Bricky, as I said, was my chaplain, and I worked through that program for 15 months from the initial four months into an additional four months of a voluntary discipleship program. And then they um, asked me to go uh, in an internship on a pathway to this, uh, to becoming a chaplain. And they had never done that before, and I, I just had wanted that. I heard they had never done it, and lo and behold, the Lord stepped up and said, here, you know, you, you just can't outgive God. And um, he presented that opportunity, and so I stayed an additional seven months. Um, what brought me out of the colony and brought me out of not taking the chaplain's job was I had met Cherry, who's fourth generation of the Ross family that um, founded America's Keswick in the colony of Mercy. I always say God has a sense of humor, but um, I had been praying that the Lord would give me a chance at being a godly husband. And um, I met Cherry. She was going through some personal difficulties and challenges herself. And... Um, and so I came out of uh, the Colony of Mercy in July of 2011. I haven't left Cherry side since. And so, let me uh, let me uh, jump in and make a couple of comments, Joe, if, if I may, and give you a chance to get your breath. Um, as we think about your transition from <clears throat> that life-threatening condition, you know, um, when you're at the end of yourself, and then the transition to Colony of Mercy. When you think of the verse in Hebrews 12 about how uh, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, chastens every son he receives. So there was certainly the Lord <clears throat> bringing you to that point of, of change, right? And also yep. the concept we talk about in terms of being crowded to Christ. You know, God um, mm-hmm. boxing us in like the prodigal son where, you know, we have nowhere else to go except to turn to him. Uh, but when you <clears throat> came to that place of brokenness and called out to the Lord like Psalm 18, Praise the Lord that you had that friend to point you to the colony of mercy, that um, that same drive that, that uh, you have as a firstborn son and you use in the corporate world uh, in the hands of God became um, an opportunity to really change at the colony of mercy as you walked with other fellows who were also broken and discovering, you know, the Christ-centered life is the answer. Uh, but where God's, um, you know, God's grace abounds in our, in our lives, doesn't it, show? And it abounded yeah, it in terms of you getting Rick as a chaplain and and then uh, even uh, the icing on the cake, getting to, to meet and, and even marry uh, Cherry. And we met uh, just a few months after you graduated from Colony Mercy, right? Uh, fall of 2011. Yeah, we did, John. Before I go to that point, I, you know, the interesting thing at the Colony of Mercy was I just assumed that anybody that went into the Colony of Mercy was automatically going to come out fine that it was a a christ-centered place and and that was my thinking when i was out there using drugs i couldn't understand why as a christian you know i wasn't okay right i was a little naive to that well i had that same naivety as i walked in the colony and and i noticed a lot of guys there weren't there for the right reasons and so um and i just wanted to put that there in my head it was so much that if as a christian because this point becomes big when I start to learn the difference of the the walk between the spirit, the battle between the spirit and the flesh. And and clearly that was there at the colony. I came out and I was in much better shape. Um, Cherry and I, as you said, were dating. Uh, We took a young guy um, up to a um, college. He was invited up to a college up in Clark Summit. I think it was called Bible Baptist. And um, he didn't have a way up, so we drove him up there. And while I was there, I had talked to the person that invited us up there, the president. Um, you know, was was there a? Uh, I was looking to do a master's program in biblical counseling, and he arranged a quick meeting with a guy named Carrie Lance, who you know. Um, mm-hmm. um, Carrie took the meeting, um, and. I sat down, and about five minutes into talking with him, he said to me, "You sound like you've got some." exchange life in your background or victorious Christian life. And I said, yeah, I've had a little bit. He said, have you heard of the book Handbook to Happiness? And I said, oh, yeah, Dr. Charles Solomon. And so that started, Carrie told me he was on the board of Grace Fellowship International. In fact, he said to me um, that there was a conference workshop that was happening. This was the beginning of October. And he said in about a month, there's a conference workshop down in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. 
Terry and I called down there and talked with Kathy Solomon, and we arranged to come down just for the Friday, Saturday. That's all the money we had. Um, we came down. We had to get two hotel rooms, and um, the Lord provided just enough money for us to do that. And so we came down and met you. Um, and you guys were kind enough to scholarship us into the next two phases, which, you know, was the workshop part and then the school of spiritual therapy. So that's how we met. Joe, that uh, in the days to come, you would join Grace Fellowship, you know, as field staff. Of course, you got that vision right away. Um, but the Lord worked that out, and then you started uh, XL Project and Love Them to Life. You know, I'm still based in Whiting, New Jersey, but being team members of Grace Fellowship, which we've so appreciated ever since. Yeah, we uh, we were we were really blessed for that to happen, and you know because we didn't we didn't know how to do a ministry, and um, that that year that we were you know directly tied with Grace Fellowship was great experience and. GFI was going through some changes, and um, but the experience that we had, and um, you know, allowed Cherry and I to eventually, uh, you know, form our own 501c3, and um, and a lot of things began to happen. As we just became available, John, we just said to the Lord, "We're here. We want to be involved." Um, I was going to school just to give you the date. So Cherry and I in July were dating. We got married in January of 2012. That month, um, we got married. Um, we started in basically full-time ministry as far as we were concerned. We knew we were going to come down and surprise you guys in, at the uh, March conference. And then uh, I began my master's program at Luther Rice University. So they were the three M's that were going on at that time was uh, marriage and master's in ministry. And... Um, you know, we, we got busy in a hurry. We came back down with you in, in March, learned a, a little bit more. And mm-hmm. and then I got sick in July of 2012. And that that kind of slowed us down a little bit. But, um, you know, we were we were able to turn the hospital into what we called, I was in Cooper Hospital, we called it Mission Cooper. Um, still sharing Jesus Christ with people and... Um, and I think that was a time the Father was settling me down and allowing some of the things to that are you know that we're doing now in our ministry. Um, he was teaching me. He had to slow me down a little bit, and the hospital bed did that. So, yeah. um, and, and eventually that meant that you weren't able to complete your academics at Luther Rice. But we're thankful that you and Sherry both took the Grace Fellowship certification track, and we're both. They came certified with Grace Fellowship and Exchange Life Counseling. Four courses ago, but I was sick and you guys were wise and it was the right move. Um, you know, fortunately, John, in taking that is part of what we're going to be talking about on the recovery coach training because there was, you know, there was something and actually the very first uh, course that I had taken at Luther Rice had really kicked, uh, kicked into my head for this idea of recovery coach training. So, you know, God's fingerprints and direction were all over oh. this, John, as, as he was doing this. Mm. And so you're right. And we appreciate Luther Rice and their networking with us. I also graduated from there, as you know, and yep. uh, we appreciate that they use the Exchange Life Counseling model um, there. Um, uh, and so we're grateful that Ann Curlin and others have endorsed uh our training and that you were able to get a lot out of your coursework there and also your uh, message boards and class conversations were good opportunities to talk about these these principles, eh? They were. And, um, you know, it was good meeting Dr. Cobb, who uh, that was fun. He, he knows the exchange life. He teaches it. Um, there's actually yeah. a course in there where Dr. Solomon's book is used. And then we got I got pretty close with Ann Carlin. During that time, too, um, Cherry began to write what she thought was going to be some blogs um, from the perspective of a mother. We had two children in addiction, um, and Cherry's heart, um, she wanted to express that to other mothers. She she looked at her own situation. That's oftentimes how things happen, right? My, my addiction led for me to go into full-time counseling. Cherry's um, situation as a mom with two children... She looked around, there was no help, and so she jumped in and she ended up writing the book, 
um, besides Phil Waters discovering peace in the midst of your child's addiction. Uh, and we started support groups for not just moms. It was really friends of the addict, but we, we segmented. We wanted the men separate from the women. And, and so, you know, from that need came, came a, a really good tool. Um, and uh, we talked with Ann Curlin a little bit about some ideas that were going on, and we invited her. And she came over to, if you remember, she came to the, to the conference that time. Um, Yes, and so she's she's very familiar with Grace Fellowship, and that that was important. That really tied a lot of conversation that I was having with her and with Dr. Cobb on mm-hmm. on things as to where God was directing me, because it became pretty obvious that I couldn't do the ministry and the master's program, um, mm-hmm. um, and so I was able to sit back and and kind of put some pride aside and um, and go full time into what we were doing. Well, you and Sherry. Um... Your involvement uh, at Grace Fellowship has led the way for some chaplains from Colony Mercy to come down for training and and, and to uh, attend and other Lutherite students, as you know, come here for their practicum. Um, yeah. And after tugging on your shirt sleeve for a while, um, you came down and, and did a couple of testimony videos at our local um, studio uh, that our friend Bob Denny runs, mm-hmm. Creative Christian Network. and. You did two yeah. half-hour videos. Jerry did a 15-minute video that have helped get out this message of freedom in Christ in, in this way. And then um, how about if you lead up to uh, commenting about the, the Set Free Seminar um, this year and how that opened up? Well, the, it kind of all blended, John. We um, we take care of Jerry's mom, and for the longest time um, when she was able, we were taking her to the chapel on the property of where she had grown up and was comfortable with. And that was on the campus of America's Keswick. And so Cherry and I were really longing for a home church and the importance of being connected to a home church. And she had been, uh, her mom finally couldn't get up the steps to get in the chapel and it opened the door for us to go to the church that Cherry had been going to before I met her. And that was called Bayside Chapel in Barnegat, New Jersey. And so we knew um, that one of the pastors there, Joe Feraldi, was very familiar with the exchange life and had been teaching Romans 5 through 8 for a while at the church. Uh, When we came in and told him what we were doing, and he and Cherry knew each other really well, they had had done some worship um, music together at some times. And Joe was thrilled to have somebody else that, you know, that knew the exchange life message, as it turned out, they were going through a change, and the senior pastor that came in, Dave Ritter, uh, had an experience where he discovered through Major Ian Thomas's book, The Saving Life of Christ. And so, you know, here's Father again, following Jerry and I. We go with no intention of thinking it was an exchange life, um, you know, church, and in comes Dave Ritter and and. You know, that's the message that Dave has been teaching there. And and you've been involved as well, John, with Joe Feraldi, and that was another connection. And so when we got there and began to talk with Dave Ritter, our passion obviously was still that, you know, as our ministry said, reaching out to those in addiction and to those who love them. And so there was some counseling going on. I was doing some testimonies at churches. We were doing testimonies and Q&As, but Cherry and I felt that, um, I had seen back in, um, I guess it was about 2012, that I, I felt that our country was changing in terms of allowing the legalization of marijuana, and you could see the trend of where that was going. You know, and being on the streets, John, and I was heavy into people that were involved with the cartels in Mexico and stuff, not a great part of my life, but, um, you know, God can use that stuff as well could see that this um, opioid use in the form of heroin and fentanyl was really going to start to take off because, um, you know, they couldn't sell pot if it was going to be legal here. They were going to go sell something else, and that increased availability. That's why we have such a big availability right now of heroin and and uh, and the fentanyl. But, um, you know, Cherry and I kind of saw that happen. We were talking to Dave Ritter and a couple of the other associate pastors, at the same time, Bayside decided uh, what was the number one issue that they thought 
between the church and the community they would get involved in, and it was addiction. And so here we are again in the middle of, we didn't plan it, but our church was setting up a program called Freedom from Addiction. And they um, were involving Cherry and I. At that point, Cherry and I were looking and developing what became Set Free. And it was a seminar, a one-day seminar, that in the morning, um, from a Bible-based, Christ-centered way, we wanted to teach people through the churches, help the pastors through the churches, um, to teach in the morning what the problem was, and then in the afternoon what the solution was. And so, again, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And um, there was a program needed. Um, we were fortunate to be able to sit down with Ken Carlson, the associate pastor, and Joe Feraldi, and Jerry and I had come in with kind of the bare-bones look, and we added some meat to it. And so Bayside um, became our first place of where we kind of, you know, put the word out to the community and to the church that we were doing this seminar. And we had close to 100 people, John, show up, and um, it was a success. We saw the need for it. We saw a lot of pain in that room, um, you know, with the people that were there. And there were there were moms there that had buried their children. There were grandmoms that had been raising their kids because their own kids had died from heroin overdoses. It was a it was a bleak and sad situation, but it it really pushed Cherry and I on to say there's this need. And so, you know, we then got a phone call from Proctorville, Ohio, and um, that was a church that had a relationship with Grace Fellowship, and they knew what we were doing, and that became the second one we did. And then, of course, we've been in Oneon to New York, and we have some others that are set up. But, you know, the Set Free uh, came uh, as a result of our relationship with Bayside Chapel. I remember um, Pastor Jeff Black in Proctorville um, reading the Grace Fellowship newsletter, and the Lord just touched his heart saying he needed to call you and Cherry. And, and you had just seen a documentary about Huntington, West Virginia, right? Well, we had, yeah, the Netflix had done a, uh, actually it was an Academy Award nominated short, and it was called Heroin, and it spelled heroin with an E on the end for female heroes, and it focused on three women in Huntington, uh, West Virginia. Huntington, West Virginia, Proctorville, Ohio, and Ashland, Kentucky, um, kind of formed what they call these tri-cities, and they had the worst death rate in the country. They had 10 times more overdose deaths than any other place in the country overdose deaths of, of uh, opioids. And so they followed a woman who was a police chief in Huntington. They followed a woman who was a Christian that started this thing called lunch bags and backpacks for women who had gone out and prostituted themselves to make money for what they were doing and were living on the streets. And the third one was a judge who was doing drug court. And so you know, that happened um, shortly after, we saw that shortly after um, getting the phone call from, from Pastor uh, Jeff, and uh, we were well within, that thing just took off. When he called us, <laughs> that took off at 200, you know that church, John, and so mm -hmm. when they get involved in something, they go, and they were full tilt, and Jerry and I were really privileged to, to work with them, and um, we had billboards that were up and called them in, and of course, we went out there and invited you to come out and participate um, as we were still evolving the program. One of the things that happened there is I think the reason why we're talking has to do with recovery coach training. But, you know, that had been a passion of mine going back to it really started in January of 2012. And it started in, you know, the first course that I was taking in my master's program at Luther Rice. So I didn't get to finish that program. But in the very first, um, you know, course that I had taken, um, I think it was called Biblical Counseling and Helping Skills. Some books that were um, that were in there was uh, Chidler's book called The Council, and I got introduced to Gary Collins's, you know, How to Be a People Helper, uh, Larry Crabb's Effective Biblical Counseling, and um, got introduced to Richard Hall's, you know, Foundations of Exchange Life. So all these books had come up. And then I saw a, a little piece, John, that was on people helpers are as effective as some licensed people. And that had intrigued me, that I thought that um, there aren't enough beds in this country 
for people who want to have, you know, Christ-centered or Bible-based Christ-centered counseling. And not everybody has to go in to a place for four or five months. I think of Cherry's grandfather, who after being told if he kept drinking, he was going to die, went home, got on his knees and asked the Lord to relieve him of his obsession. And he was relieved of it at that time. And then you've got that to me. In 1986, I knew I couldn't drink, and it took me to 2010, 24 years before I um, had reached that point of brokenness. But it became obvious that the church, John, had to step into this gap that was going on in our country. In 2016, there were 64,000 deaths uh, related to um, opioid overdose deaths, 64,000. Um, that was more, it was 6,000 more people died than in the entire Vietnam War. Um, and Cherry and I, she just posted it yesterday, just got statistics for 2017. They're not final, but the preliminary ones we got, that 72,000 overdose deaths um, took place in 2017. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we are, we're in a battle right now for this generation, I think, and the enemy has clearly found tool um, that's taking people out. I think they're saying now there's a more deaths than HIV, um, car crashes. You know, right behind it, I didn't mention, 2016, 64,000 overdose deaths on opioids. John, there were 78,000 deaths on alcohol. And we don't even hear the alcohol right now. All we're hearing on the headlines is opioids. And unfortunately, we've got people thinking, well, we'll just handle that problem when you and I both know it goes way, 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 way back. Um, into the history of of the addict to find out where this where this really started, and so well, um, Joe, your your testimony and your vision for recovery coach training, you know, has been a heartbeat uh, since I've known you, uh, and as a ministry coach and board member of Love Them to Life, uh, you and Sherry have certainly alerted us to the need to reach out in this way, but I didn't realize that. Grace Fellowship could be more directly involved, really, until you invited me to come and help at the Set Free Conference in February of 2018. And then uh, Jeff Black and, and uh, his staff and Tri-State Bible College got together and said, we need a follow-up event, right? Mm -hmm. That had John had actually come in some preliminary conversations with Pastor Jeff. He had told us some things had changed at, you know, this Christian college. And that Grace Fellowship had been trying to have a relationship there. And for whatever reasons, it just wasn't working. Well, they had a new president and some new board members. Um, at that time, Cherry and I were also looking to fill. Joe Feraldi had taught a part when we were at Bayside. And we said, you know, John's got this relationship with Proctorville. And they spoke so highly of you. And, of course, I actually called you because I was having a problem with my middle son who I was getting back together with. And during that conversation, said, John, <laughs> would you come out and teach this part of it? I think you said, uh, your wife Linda said that you were going to just show up there anyway, <laughs> whether we invited you or not. So we thought we'd make it formal. <laughs> Unfortunately, right. we did have you come in and do effective teaching. And with that, um, we had come up with a list. We had finally talked with Pastor Jeff about the recovery coach training. And he, uh, we gave him the thing, the expression that we were using, God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. And he said, well, I think we've got plenty of people that would show up for that. But then um, with your meeting, I guess you can take it from here. It just went off to another level, um, in, in including uh, Tri-State. And so praise God for how um gained momentum, Joe, in terms of uh, April I think it was 6th and 7th, the Friday night and Saturday event at Tri-State Bible College. Uh, Dr. Bloomfield was very welcoming, and uh, we had a good attendance, didn't we, um, from the, over the local area? Yeah, and even uh, someone showed up from a local TV station and, yeah. and um, yeah. gave a spot on local news about Tri-State hosting the event, and so that was encouraging. Let me say something else, too, that happened. When we showed the outline of our seminar to Pastor Jeff, he knew a judge that was out there. And this judge was really frustrated. Um, you know, a lot of the people that were showing up in front of his bench, it was drug related and he was offering 12 step or jail, 12 step or jail. And he, he just kept seeing the cycle come back and forth. This judge was a Christian 
he saw the seminar, he saw our proposal for recovery coach training, although at that point we, you know, we really, it was real bare bones. The concept was there, but of course, you know, the meat wasn't on the bone yet. And, but he saw that and uh, commented that he would like to give uh, the alternative of being either jail or could he send them to Pastor Jeff's church for counseling because he would do that. And Pastor Jeff, of course, you know him, he said, by all means. And at that point then, you know, we had to start to deliver a product. Um, you had the seminar that I think there was 50 plus. Cherry and I got to see the clip from the local television station. I mean, people know this that, that there's a need for something other than's out there right now. And so this alternative began. And Cherry and I had a conversation, John, in which we just said, and I'll tell on myself, I, I really wanted to take this recovery coach training and have our ministry kind of put it out there and do it. And if I was really looking at it, I was having kind of a pity party for myself. I wasn't feeling real good at the time. I haven't said this, but I've been sick as a result of my drug and alcohol use and have been on hospice several times. And, and I was in one of those really down moments and I, I really wanted to bring that thing in and kind of have a legacy and um, I just sat down and prayed and Father said, you really need to turn this to John, you need to turn this to Grace Fellowship. Cherry and I had fortunately gone through Grace Fellowship's Exchange Life Counselor Program, which is a tremendous program. It's deep. Um, it covered things. It really helped us in our counseling. And so we had done that. We knew that was available and I called you up and said, John, would you take, would you just take this? We can't, we just can't do it. And we believed that God was calling Grace Fellowship to do this, that things were in place. You know, you're, you've coined that term recovery coach for us, recommending that to be used, which I think is a, a good way to describe, you know, this equipping process that led to this challenge for, for us to take the baton from you to, to develop, you know, the full training track. In 2017, I had been working on a course for Grace Fellowship. We have, as you know, about a dozen CEU courses and, right, and uh, right. that I write. And so I was working on one on addiction recovery, and I've been sending you uh, kind of the rough outline as it was getting uh, eventually um, developed. And Cherry said, this this needs not to be a, uh, just a course, but this needs to be a right. full track. And so yep. that recommendation and then and then your seminar and the Tri-State Bible College event led to, in May, the Lord uh, just guiding us to to take this all together and put it into a a track now that we call the Recovery Coach Certification Track. Hallelujah! That's right. And That's uh, awesome. the you know uh, you and Cherry gave thumbs up to to the outline and the board uh, Grace Fellowship approved it, and so um, we have been uh, just completing. Some of the components of that, it's like the gracefellowshipinternational.com site under about recovery coach training. And um, thankfully, uh, you've recorded some videos for the online module, which we call the online lecture series. Uh, we really appreciate that, Joe. And Cherry was videotaping you, uh, sharing your heart about um, recovery uh, supplemental wisdom, you know, to the basic exchange life counseling track. And then, hey John, uh, let me just can I can yeah. I just jump in? I want to say one thing. I'm talking about sure. myself and the recovery coach training, and it was a passion. It began at the course of of the first course that I had in those books and all of that. But through all of this was Cherry. Cherry was really, and I and I really desire to say this because she is so humble, but she really was the driving force through. You know, Joe, stay with this the way you're doing or pull it back this way. Involve John. Get this. I mean, she really saw, you know, through her, you know, Cherry John, I'll try not to get weepy here, but she's she's a very wise woman and she knows her husband. And so she was able to, as you said, you know, she was able to push this left and push it right and get it into the center. Um, she knew the value of what you were already doing, you know, with the courses that you were writing. And she was a huge part um, in the recovery coach training. And let me say one other thing. She also was very close friends. And I know this is coming up that you're going to talk about with the Steves, but she was very close friends with Lee mm -hmm. Steve. Lee had become a mentor 
to Cherry, both right. from a counseling standpoint and then also from a personal standpoint. She, you know, guided Cherry through some um, some of life's uh, issues, and so they were really good friends. And um, um, I knew Don uh, as a chaplain. I knew Don first uh, prior to coming and being a chaplain. Uh, at the Colony of Mercy, I kind of knew him a little bit through Luther Rice and then through some mutual um, friends. We got to meet him and his wife, Lise. I knew John, uh, Don had a passion um, as he was counseling those at the Colony of Mercy. He had a passion for working with those that were coming out of the addiction issues of drugs and alcohol. And In fact, Don and Lise were on their way down to Pigeon Forge to see you when Cherry said to me, you know, I left Lee Steve on this last meeting. I just got a feeling something big's going to happen down in <laughs> Pigeon Forge yeah. between the Steves and GFI. So that, I think I just teed that up for you. <laughs> you sure did. So uh, I'll take a swing of the ball at that ball. Um, better. Uh, Don and Lee came down for a week, and uh, we had asked them to record some video material for this new Recovery Coast track that we've been talking about, and they graciously agreed to do that. And kind of combine it with a couple of days of vacation. At first, it was going to be Don because I've known Don over the years and visited him at, uh, well, you and Cherry and I did a seminar at, at the church. Yeah. He yeah. Pastors, and then he came on staff as a chaplain in America's Keswick, as you know, and I visited him there uh, in 2017. So, and then Cherry said, well, what about Lee? She can do some video recording too. I said, I just, I, you know, I overlooked the obvious, of course. I and didn't know her as well. So um, she also did two videos when, when they were here. So we're really pleased about that. And as you've alluded to, um, the Lord has opened the door uh, as of uh, the end of July uh, 2018 for Don and Lise to come on staff at Grace Fellowship International. And so they made the announcement at their church in America's Keswick, and they plan to uh, sell their home and move here to the Knoxville area uh, to be part of the Grace Fellowship team and and to do exchange life counseling, particularly in the area of addiction recovery, which they both have a a particular skill with and a burden for. So all we see, Joe, is is God in his providence with his convergence, right, of yeah, yeah, look what happened, geez. John, with the relationships, because you talk about that thing that you taught with Don Steve. Um, you know, I, I always forget about that. I think it was in Freeholder Jackson, and that's when we got to know Don. He had moved up here. Don was working for Habitat for Humanity. Um, Cherry and I had befriended him and Lee. There was an opening for a chaplaincy at um, the Colony of Mercy, and I went to Jim Freed, and I said, man, I got the perfect guy, and they put him in there, and... and so you see the connection, John, between, you know, yeah. where Cherry grew up, right? America's Keswick, and she, uh, I meet her, and then, you know, we go to Grace Fellowship, and we meet you, and then we have this thing with, mm. I kind of knew Don's name from Luther Rice, and he moved up here. You just can't make this stuff up as to where Father's yeah. hands and, and his direction were all over this. So uh, mm. it just amazes me every time I look at it, and you know, when we talk about the recovery coach training, for me, turning the tassel was finally saying out loud, all glory be to God. This is this is his. Mm-hmm. He has designed this. This is his providence, man. He, he had yeah. this way before I even knew my mom. So um, You're right, Joe. We see right? the tapestry of how God has led in, in, in these ways. Uh, an opening came up for me to, to give um, the Friday night, Saturday, uh, training at a church in Buffalo, New York, um, mm-hmm. and then I got to do a one-day version of it um, last month in Minneapolis, and both places it was very well received. So uh, we're basically in this conversation giving glory to God for how he has provided and guided, and you alluded to these tragic statistics, Joe, about um, the death uh, 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 regarding alcohol and uh, and the opioids, uh, and that's the tip of the iceberg in terms of the other relational conflicts that occur due to behavioral addictions as well. But aren't aren't we um, thankful that there is a Christ-centered, Bible-based, grace-oriented approach that, in the words of Luke 4, the Lord continues to heal the brokenhearted and set a liberty yeah. those who are captive and give sight to, to blind eyes. And he's doing that through, through us as um, members of the body of Christ abide in him and uh, seek to be yielded to the Holy Spirit to 
see the crisis of addiction as redemptive opportunity. And I think, John, you know, just to add to that, you know, when I realized in 86 that I couldn't drink, in 89 I got on the pain pills, it was another eight years after that, 1997, I went to my first rehab. It was a secular rehab. It was a disease model, 12-step. And I went to 11 of them, John, between 1997 and 2010. And and I went there because I was serious. I knew I was dying. But, you know, Christ was not in there. You weren't, even in a lot of the places, even allowed to speak about Jesus. And people got upset. And so, you know, this country has been crying out for an obvious solution. We think it's obvious. And um, I think we need to start with our churches first. Um one of the conversations with Dave Ritter when we were talking, you know, our pastor at our church, we were talking about outreach to the community. And to me, I turned it around and said, you know, it begins with reaching out to the first six rows in your church. I mean, because, you know, the church is under the same attack. We're looking at uh, there's no discrimination between Christians and non-Christians in terms of this uh, opioid addiction. It's horrible, John. And we just had an almost 11% increase from 2016 to 2017. They're not done counting all the numbers on 17. And I suspect that um, with what we've seen, with Cherry and I've seen already, is 2018. The numbers are increasing again, John, because the availability of the heroin and um, and the fact uh, and the fentanyl that's coming in is just you know it's crazy and. And it's going to continue to grow. And I just think that the timing of what um, you, what Grace Fellowship is doing with getting this solid program to the churches, because Terry and I found out that the pastors are really busy already. And so now we call them up and say, okay, here's something else that you need to deal with. And it's this opioid addiction. And they all want to help, but it's trying to find the time and Having this program like this, John, allows us, we use the thing of when, um, as Moses was battling the Amalekites, when we lifted his hands, he was winning. Well, we look at the Amalekites as opioid addiction, and I think we're coming in to lift the pastor's hands and to provide them with a soup-to-nuts program that, uh, as they see people that are being called to this, um, we can provide them. We can equip them. Sherry and I have looked at the, um, you know, we've looked at the nuts and bolts of the program. It's really solid, John. You going to talk about that a little bit about what you what you've got and specifics of it? Okay. Um, it reminds me of Ephesians 4:12, where um, we're called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and so God's people need to be mm-hmm. not only inspired and challenged, but equipped, and so. Um, under uh, the uh, the web page about the Recovery Coach Training Track, we see that it starts with the the Grace Fellowship Conference, which people can attend live or or uh, online or by DVD, and then the workshop, which you and Cherry have come to. We do that three times a year, and those are foundational events. The online module, Solomon School of uh, you know the online lecture series. There's not only the the regular track, but now we have a new recovery. Uh, coach edition of the online lecture series, which right. you've, you've been contributing to, and Don and Lise have, and, and I've done some new videos for that. So we're excited about the the online module, and then we've got um, books to read. That uh, um, some are part of both tracks, the basic one as well as Recovery Coach, and some are recovery specific. And so people can go there mm-hmm. and get the the reading list. And uh, we have your set free seminar now online been videotaped we thank you for sharing those videos freely and hopefully people donate and say thank you for watching them but uh, that's now linked uh, from the certification page and then mike and julia quarles's seminar is a uh, is part of that track so we encourage people to go there to to learn more about it it's not just uh one um one curriculum it's really uh, a general equipping process so people can use various uh tools in their local church or the recovery ministry, but hopefully this training process will help them experience freedom and have a more um, Galatians 2.20, you might say, oriented approach about knowing that 
we're crucified with Christ, and Christ needs to live His life in us and through us right. as um, as recovery coaches and as individuals that need need more freedom. So we're excited about that, Joe, and I want to thank you and Cherry for your role in uh, seeing how God has shaped this and uh, contributing to it. And we pray that um, many people who are in residential addiction recovery ministry or uh, local church-based programs or others that just have a vision to be people helpers, you know, as Gary Collins right. would say, uh, recovery coaches informally um, will take this training and part of it or ideally all of it and be used of God in the words of the book of Esther for such a time as this. Okay. All right, brother. Well, Joe, thanks for your time and, and for uh, helping us learn more of the backstory and context for the recovery coach training. Would you uh, wrap up our conversation by praying for those who will be taking this training? Yes, absolutely. Father, we just thank you so much for um, for just being who you are, our Father, and that um, you saw all of this way before any of us thought it. And, um, and we just thank you that we have a program that um, we believe because we've listened to you is going to be an effective program of helping people who are just enslaved right now to addiction of drugs and alcohol and in particular opioids. We, we pray for our nation right now. We pray that the flow of these drugs would stop coming in, Lord. We, we pray that people have a place to go, um, that they would know that, that the local church is a place that they can come in. It's not always just a secular rehab. And to that end of it, Father, we're praying that um, we know you will equip those who are called. And so we're praying for people to step up, to stand in the gap, um, and to announce that they're ready to be equipped. And so we pray for that first. And then, Lord, we pray that the finishing touches on this program as they're, as they're coming up, this recovery coach training that John has overseen, uh, Lord, is available, um, and that people um, will be ready to um, really, Lord, they're going to have to devote themselves and devote some time to this. So we pray that you clear their schedules, um, open their hearts, uh, direct them to Grace Fellowship, direct them to the website, direct them to coming down to the conferences, either in March or July or November. Lord, make them aware of this. Um, and Father, we just pray that those people will come in and, and then be a part of the healing. We've got to train those trainers, Lord. Um, so that they can then sit down and be able to help those who are really hurting when they come to that point of brokenness and are ready to make changes, Lord, um, that we will have the necessary recovery coach, uh, re- recovery coaches there. And so, Father, we, again, thank you for all that you do and thank you for the conversation we've had. It, it's uplifting to think what uh, several people can do, Lord, if we just allow us to stand next to our Father and then, Lord, allow you to lead as we, um, you know, work alongside you. So thank you. Continued blessings on Grace Fellowship International. Continued blessings on Love Them to Life. And uh, we'll just thank you, Father, for the results that we're going to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, I invite our listeners to visit uh, Joe and Terry's website, lovethemtolife.com, um, to learn more about their ministry and and uh, support them, and also GraceFellowshipInternational.com dot com under about to see the recovery coach um, training track. And we're excited that other uh, recovery ministries um, we can network with and learn from each other. And uh, we trust that God will use this to advance His kingdom and see many people set free for His glory.